if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now, eight minutes past 10 o'clock. Good morning. Thanks for being with us. Good conversation with Tony George uh, last hour, talking about the impact of a $15 minimum wage, just one of the new pushes by the Biden administration, what that would do to restaurants in Ohio and around the country if it were to be forced upon the states in that way. Uh, but as this is a Tuesday, it is the 26th morning of the first month in the year of our Lord, 2021. That makes it a Kersenow day. So without further ado, let's bring Peter Kersenow back to the program. Kers- Kersenow is a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. He is a former member of the now-disbanded 1776 Commission. He is also a Cleveland attorney and the host of the Kersenow Report on AM 1420, The Answer. Pete, good morning, my friend. How are you? Doing well, Bob. I was going to give you a countdown to the Browns' appearance in the Super Bowl at 387 (laughs) days. I'm going to wait until I see whether or not there's any more kneeling or anything. The Browns have been pretty good about not kneeling since September, but I was really dismayed when I watched. I turned into the AFC Championship game because I wanted to get a gauge for where do the Bills stand compared to the Browns against the Chiefs. And uh, I hadn't been watching much football at all uh, this season like you. I mean, I just may glance at the screen from time to time, and I was really dismayed to see that at the beginning of the game, the Bills didn't come out of their locker room for the national anthem. And I figure, if, you know, if you can't figure out, if these 300-pound little boys can't figure out whether or not they're going to honor the flag, then I'm not going to watch, and I'm not going to reward the advertisers in any way for uh, advertising for these guys. By the way, your listeners probably know that a slew of major corporations have decided not to advertise on the Super Bowl. Uh, that's really remarkable. There's several reasons for that, but you know, being woke uh, doesn't pay. I think, well, two things to respond. One, uh, I'm with you, by the way. I was pulling for the Bills to win only because prior to the Super Bowl or the start of the playoffs, I picked Buffalo in the AFC and Tampa out of the NFC. And so I got one of those right. Uh, and Tampa was a wild card, as you know. They were not one of the top two seeds. Uh, and so, you know, they, for them to push through, I was like, okay, good. Now let's Buffalo. You do the same thing so that I can be right. Then I saw what you just said, and then someone told me online that they have done that all year. The Bills have stayed in the locker room all year because they did not want to go out there and pay respect to the national anthem publicly. And so that automatically made me a Chiefs fan for the day. Um, And uh, as far as the Super Bowl, from what I was told, I shouldn't say told, what I heard some uh, interviews talking about, 
is that these companies, PepsiCo, uh, Budweiser, um, some of the largest companies, obviously, that can afford to buy the $500,000 per 30-second commercials in the Super Bowl, are not doing so this year because they are afraid that no matter what they do, it won't be woke enough that they're going to offend somebody in some way, and they don't know what way that is, but every group that is that is there now ready to cancel people or companies for perceived slights, and that's what we have become as a nation of just you know whiny little Karens all looking for something to complain about rather than running the risk of not uh, of running a, an ad that so, that somebody doesn't like for some reason uh, and, and and gives people a reason and the uh, activist groups to come for them. That's why they pulled out and they're now saying well they're covering this by saying what we're going to do is take the money we would have spent on advertising in the super bowl and we're going to donate it to covid19 research or or supplies or vaccines or whatever the heck the case might be uh but i you know there it is pete i mean they they literally the liberal cancel culture has stopped corporations from advertising in the super bowl this is a dangerous time in america it's also a very unpleasant time in america you know there's so much joy sucked out of our society and our our everyday lives by this wokeness and it doesn't provide any benefits to anybody somebody tell me some concrete credible benefit that comes from wokeism but we can marshal multitudes of disadvantages that come from wokeism and by the way you know uh... for some of us we look at this as you know the current nomenclature used to describe wokeism i think is not sufficient to the task of describing what's actually going on. Um, you know, we make references quite often to 1984 or Brave New World, so on and so forth, but we have a clear model here. Um, you know, if we just go back to the 1940s, 50s, and then you look at the Soviet Union and the... Uh, it's, it's really astonishing what's going on here. Not at the point of a gun yet, but you've got people saying we should deprogram certain individuals who just happen to hold a disapproved opinion. This is sheer craziness, and I know the left doesn't like using the term un-American, or at least being used against them, but this is as un-American as it gets, and it's the result of 30 to 40 years of this gradual creep in our educational institutions and a number of other institutions, let's face it, um, that has sought to denigrate America, Americanism, and has very subtly um, inserted Marxism, a cultural form of Marxism, the, the Marxist version of Marxism in terms of, of economics really didn't take off as well, although it is right now. But the cultural Marxism of Antonio Gramsci, for example, is really taking root. And this is the result. And so we have these double standards, repression of free speech, and, and so many other American monolithic ideals that are under attack and in some cases are being seen as um, contrary to, I mean, up is down and, and, and uh, down is up. It's truly troubling and we have to fight back vigorously, peacefully. I'm afraid if I say that, Bob, if I say we have to fight back vigorously, the FBI is going to come <laughs> and investigate me. But again, that's another facet. It's another feature of East Germany or or the Soviet Union that you've got Police agencies being asked to investigate people who hold disapproved opinions. The essence of America is that you can have a, an opinion that a lot of people don't like. And you can do it anytime you want to. You know, uh, free speech for everybody. You don't have to, as many people have said, we don't need a First Amendment for speech people like. You know, you don't need a First Amendment for that. We need a First Amendment so you can say things people don't like. And it's the best guard against totalitarianism. 
Yeah, and that's exactly what is being taken away from us, uh, is the opportunity to speak and say things people don't like. And, and by the way, that used to mean like really horrific things. But now if it just expresses a diff, I like Trump. Oh, Lordy, then you've got to go. You've got to be deprogrammed or reprogrammed or reeducated or whatever, but you can't say that anymore. You're going to be banned. Um, and I'm not exaggerating that one iota. Literally, if you are a Trump supporter, you are going to, you are, they have already said you have to be reprogrammed. You have to deprogram yourself from the cult of Trump, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so literal, just straight speech that isn't threatening, that isn't uh, menacing or in any harassing or any of any other way, just plain old speech that somebody else disagrees with, agrees with. If that somebody happens to be in the majority, meaning the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, uh, Elected offices uh, in control of the Democrats right now, certainly the left-wing media, and yes, the big tech corporations, which are all left-wing. So if you say anything that is disagreeable to the left-wing uh, or the leftist ideology, then yes, you are going to be canceled, uh, and, and it's, it's extraordinarily dangerous. Pete, I'm going to take a time out early here because it's 16 minutes after, and I want to transla- uh, transfer rather to the or transition. I'll find the right trans. Transgender? No, we'll transition. We'll transition into executive order hell. We got 17 executive orders on day one, and literally by the time day two started, over 17,000 people were out of work. Now here we are in week number two, or his first full week in office. A whole new list of executive orders is on the way, all of which are aimed at, quote, changing America, just like Chuck Schumer threatened. And I want to get your take on what that does to us all. So we'll transition to that topic with Kirsten right after this on AM 1420 The Answer. Okay, 1020. We continue now with Peter Kirsten on AM 1420, The Answer. Pete, let's dive into some of this. I want to talk, and I'm, I'm avoiding the impeachment story right now. Um, maybe we'll talk about it toward the end. I don't want to give it as much life as um, they want it to have uh, because it is unconstitutional. It is ridiculous. It is it is a show, um, and it doesn't deserve our attention, quite frankly. In fact, I wish, Bob, I wish almost, the Republicans would go on offense on this, though. I agree with you with all you? that. but. Uh, I, I agree with that, but I, I really think the Republicans should go on offense. And if they're going to impeach Donald Trump, and you know we can talk about it some other time in terms of Article Two, Section Four, and the criteria for it. But um, there's far more evidence, criteria, substantive um, reasons to impeach, among others, Nancy Pelosi, Kamala Harris, and a slew of other Democrats who, under the standards applied to Trump, unequivocally should be found guilty and removed for office. Uh, and they are currently in office as opposed to Donald Trump. But uh, we can talk about that some other time, Bob. Yeah, and we will do that. Uh, it's interesting. You talk about going on offense. And maybe in that regard, I will agree with you. Um, but part of me wishes they would not only not go on offense, that they don't even play defense, that they don't show up. That literally, they allow the left yep. to do their thing, don't even be in, in the chambers. Uh, and then when it's time to come in and vote no uh, against the impeachment, just walk in and do it. Uh, don't even give it life. Don't even give them the decent of a response to it okay uh but let's get into the executive orders now pete i mean this is this is beyond insane first of all it should be pointed out that joe biden said uh just um uh in october 
quote, you cannot legislate through executive orders unless you're a dictator. Do you remember that? He literally yeah. said the executive orders make you a dictator. On day one, a couple of hours after the inauguration, he signed 17 executive orders. He signed it a slew the next day, and now he's got uh, new executive orders planned for every day this week. Which of these, Pete, do you find the most egregious? Um, and I know that's a hard call. Maybe you want to list two or three. But the fact that he literally, you know, revoked the permits for the Keystone XL pipeline and put 11,000 people out of work immediately strikes me as perhaps the most egregious because I mean, I mean, two, that's got to be a record. Two hours after your presidency, the nation is minus 11,000 in terms of job growth because of a decision you made. Um, between that and then the announcement also that there's going to be a 60-day pause on uh, permits being granted to drill on federal lands or in uh, federal waters, um, th- this is a full-out assault on uh, fossil fuels. Uh, this is a move toward green energy, exactly what AOC and the rest of them wanted to do. So while there is a lot to be, you know, a lot of fault to be found in all of these things, Pete, that's my answer to the first question. What's yeah, there's, there, are, there are so many responses to that. There's so many things to discuss with respect to that, not the least of which is, and this is old, of course, because we didn't expect this to happen, but virtually every promise that, Obi- that Biden made during the campaign, he has already reneged on. And the yep. media, of course, don't, don't say a thing about it. And they are, I mean, bald face lies. Now, we don't expect that he's going to adhere to some of them, but we thought that at least it wouldn't happen within the first week, and it wouldn't be so dramatic and in your face. Um, I tend to think there, I, I would select, I agree with you with respect to Keystone Pipeline, but also the immigration executive order, but Keystone Pipeline for a moment. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, we are told constantly that we are in a pandemic, and we, and we are, but we've lost millions of jobs. Now, they start to come back mainly because of Trump and the Trump um, uh, orders and actions that he's taken, but we are still in a deep, deep dive with respect to the economy. So many people without jobs, and what, what's the first thing Biden does? He adds to it. But Keystone Pipeline is the most immediate effect. I think, you know, when I did the math on it, it was, I know there have been several estimates on this, but it looked like 17,000 were immediately lost, and there's going to be a lot more thereafter, and for no good, good reason. None whatsoever. It's actually going to have the opposite effect than that which it purportedly is designed to do, and that is, you know, have a, uh, a clean environment, fewer opportunities for oil to be spilled, all those kinds of things. It's just the opposite. Uh, but nope. Um, Not if, to mention, by the way, Pete, the impact on non-oil uh, workers or, or yep. pipeline workers, the fact that our gas prices are already creeping up. You take a look at what it is today, the average price compared to uh, on uh, uh, Wednesday when he signed that order. They're already rising, and it's going to get even worse again when this uh, 60-day pause, which could become permanent on uh, federal uh, drilling on uh, or drilling rather on federal lands. Right. Oil prices, gas prices going up. We're going to be empowering China and others. It's just, it's just lunacy on steroids. But it appeals to the leftist base, which is driving the bus in this administration unequivocally. Biden, at one point, I don't know if you saw it, but the camera was on him when he opened up one of the executive order binders and said, I'm not, I don't know what I'm signing here. And Kamala Harris said, just sign it. I mean, she, of course, you know, she's the real executive <laughs> behind all of this. This is extraordinary. And we all know, and I hate to beat this to death, but we can't stop saying it because that's what the left wants us to do. And that is that if this had happened to Trump or any other president, frankly, but if we know if, it, if Trump had done the same thing, the media would be going completely nuts. As an aside, Bob, I don't know if you've noticed this, 
because most of your listeners and you don't watch CNN <laughs> probably, you know, avoid it like the plague. But, you know, I, I don't watch it, but I kind of glance at it so you don't have to. And if you've noticed, remember for nearly a year on the right side of the screen, if you if you were in an airport and had to watch CNN, or at least it was there, on the right side of CNN's screen was a running tally of COVID cases and deaths. It was there constantly. And I remember we talked about it briefly saying that, you know, I, it's there because uh, they want to create the sense of panic and that this is something that Trump has failed to restrain. Well, on Inauguration Day, that thing disappeared, despite the fact that we're experiencing a spike in coronavirus deaths. If there's, we don't need, you know, exhibit 5,312 in CNN is horribly and corruptly biased, but there's another sterling example. Now, going, I wish they put a screen up there showing how many jobs have been destroyed by uh, Joe Biden's actions. Now, that would be something useful. But with respect to the number of jobs overall being lost, I think greater damage is going to be done by the various aspects of the immigration executive order that he signed, which is horrendous on so many levels it would take us two entire programs to discuss. But Well, I've got, to... I've got two and a half minutes left in this segment before the news. <laughs> Hit that, Let Pete, me... seriously, because I think that's important. I, I did want to get that, and, and it's not just the job loss uh, based on those orders, but the danger based on those, yep. those, those, those orders, including the 100-day uh, moratorium on any deportations, including criminal including criminal illegal aliens, not just those who are here illegally, and that being their only crime, but criminal yep. aliens, including violent criminals, are going to be released from ICE detention facility because they are not allowed to be deported. Right, and when you say criminals, remember, what we're talking about is approximately 93 to 95% of all those illegal aliens that are not subject to deportation. Because if you unpack the various aspects of immigration law, what that order applies to is predominantly those who've either been arrested or convicted of crimes. So all those individuals are not just subject, not subject to deportation, they're going to be released and or not apprehended. And th th this is... It's incredible what's going on. It's truly astonishing. We do not have a free press anymore. We have a bought and paid for corrupt press. It's astonishing for me to say that in 2021. I don't want to say that. It sounds hyperbolic, but it is not. It's an accurate description, and all of your listeners know it if they spent even five minutes looking at anything that wasn't, you know, heck, I can't even uh, tune into Fox News without seeing something seeping in there that is part of the leftist propaganda, and it truly is propaganda. So the immigration um, executive order to me is the one that has both the, the greatest short and long-term impacts on the United States. But there's so many different executive orders, few of which you can say point to that have a manifest benefit to any American or American interest. What they do benefit is the Democratic Party and the woke left. Uh, and by benefit, it's mainly a psychological benefit Although, with respect to mail ballot elections and all host of other types of purported election, quote-unquote, reforms, they are clearly there, not for good government, not for the American people, but to enhance the power of the Democratic Party. Very well said, Pete. And you know what? I do want to talk more about that uh, deportation order and the danger of that on the other side. And then we'll get into a little bit on the impeachment, too. I've got one more segment left with Peter Kersenow. It's coming up right after the news on AM fourteen twenty. The Answer. Progressive Democrats. 
please be aware, you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Okay, 1035 now. We continue with Peter Kersenow on AM 1420. The answer. Pete, as um, uh, loath as I am to cut into your talk time, um, I want to play this because it was on Tucker Carlson last night, a place where you are, of course, a featured guest. Stephen Miller, former senior advisor to President Trump, was explaining in more depth what you and I were just talking about with respect to the danger of the deportation moratorium. So this is just one small part of a much larger uh, uh, answer that he gave Tucker Carlson that I want everybody to watch. You can look it up online. Just go to uh, you know uh, Tucker Carlson tonight. You'll find the entire show available online. And uh, Pete, I want to get your reaction to this part. The work of ICE officers will grind to a halt beginning February 1st. Why February 1st? Because that's the date by which ICE has to come up with implementing guidance for the memo. And so every sheriff's office, every police department, every correctional facility in the country that for years has been handing over illegal aliens to ICE to pick them up and take them home, which is the bread and butter of ICE's work, all of those people will not get picked up anymore. Why won't they get picked up? Because you cannot arrest someone you can't deport. That's a foundational principle of immigration law. ICE is not a jail. ICE has detention facilities exclusively for staging people for removal. You cannot pick up somebody that you're not going to remove. So, beginning in just a few days, about 12,000 criminals a month are going to be released into U.S. communities. I'm basing that 12,000 number on what the average was last year of how many arrests were given in a particular month or how many arrests were made in a particular month. It could actually be higher than that because last year, obviously, with the pandemic, numbers went down a bit. With the vaccine, arrests normally, you would expect them to go back up. So I'd say between twelve to 15,000 criminals a month, Tucker, are going to be loosed back into U.S. communities. But it gets even worse. In addition to that, they are forbidden by the terms of this memo from removing visa overstays. Any student... All right, I'll stop it there because I think we get the gist. The, the most important part of that, Pete, is twelve to 15,000 illegal alien criminals per month uh, are now not going to be rounded up and deported. They're not going to be arrested because, as he said, you cannot arrest them unless you are turning them over to ICE for deportation. ICE can't hold them for 100 days uh, you know, while this moratorium is on. So all of these criminal aliens are, are, are going to be loosed back into society, as Stephen Miller just said. So, Pete, let's combine this. The fact that criminal aliens, 95% of those who are deported are criminal for reasons other than just uh, illegal immigration. Over 90% of them. So we have all of these criminal aliens being released back into the streets at the same time that Joe Biden is about to announce his new racial equity or equality order today, which is going to investigate and hamper and kind of reimpose the Obama-era consent decrees on what police officers are able to do. So you talk about an unholy alliance. You talk about a, a dangerous soup here. Let's mix in more criminals with less cops or less cops being able to do uh, the work that they are supposed to do. Go ahead, Pete. Where to begin? Uh, First of all, uh, Stephen Miller's got it exactly right. He and I used to communicate on this on a regular basis. The fact of the matter is that we're talking about, this is why, by the way, the state of Texas is suing, because they're going to be suffering a huge 
bump in crime because of this. They understand what this means. They understand that many of the ICE facilities are located in their state, and they understand this means uh, that there are going to be more criminals who are loosed or just not even arrested. Uh, Combine that with the fact that we already have a significant spike in crime this last year, largely the result of Democrat blue cities not doing anything whatsoever in response to the rioting and so on and so forth that occurred. And, you know, you and I have talked about this. We predicted it back in July, or I'm sorry, June of last year, that there were going to be significant spikes in the murder rate because we've seen this movie before. Now we're adding even more criminals to the mix. And then on top of that, in the midst of a relatively high unemployment rate, not as high as it otherwise would have been because Trump did a spectacular job bringing down the unemployment rate prior to the pandemic and then limiting the increase in the unemployment rate and having it come back down again. We're bringing in tens of thousands and eventually within the next year or so, hundreds of thousands of unskilled illegal immigrants that are going to be waved across the border. They're going to be competing with jobs, for jobs, with blue-collar workers. And when you talk about racial equity, first of all, I have no idea what racial equity has to do with immigration. And by and, and additional, by the way, whenever you see the term equity, run for the hills. It used to be we used to look at racial um, uh, in terms of, of uh, uh, equal opportunity and equal treatment. Now we talk about equity. This is a nebulous term that really is a, a Trojan horse to bring in socialist principles into the discourse. Racial equity, in, incapable of definition. But what does it have to do with immigration? Well, uh, unfortunately, there is going to be very little racial equity, however you define it, when you have low-wage workers flooding across the border and the, the groups they're going to be competing most directly against for jobs are going to be black males. We've t- talked about this several times on the show, Bob, but the fact of the matter is that when we looked at the data at the Civil Rights Commission over, you know, we've had so many hearings on this, the best evidence shows that because of illegal immigration, Over the last, say, 15 years or so, blacks have one million fewer jobs than they would otherwise be projected to have because of competition from illegal immigrants who are very often paid a lower wage. They they don't complain to the EEOC or the Fair Labor, or I'm sorry, the Wage and Hour Division of the, the Department of Labor. So a lot of unscrupulous employers will hire them. And now there's not going to be any real semblance of workplace verification. So after Trump has brought down the unemployment rate uh, among blacks to the lowest in history and raised the median income for blacks to the highest in history, we are injecting anti-competitive, or I'm sorry, not anti-competitive, but a, uh, a competition that is, um, should be considered to be unlawful that's going to depress wages and depress employment levels. Everything that uh, Stephen Miller said is going to happen and more, and it's, we're only taking a snapshot effect over the next couple of months. This is going to have a long-term effect, and we don't know when we're finally going to have any kind of border enforcement, but rest assured it's not going to happen in the four years of a biden slash Harris administration. This is going to be a continued dislocation for low-wage workers. And think about his first uh, executive orders. It used to be that Democrats were the quote-unquote party of, you know, the little guy, the you know, blue-collar union workers. And let's face it, they, they still get, uh, this time they got fewer votes than before, but 88% of the black vote. 
And yet the people who are going to be harmed most directly, and this happens every single time, are the low-wage union workers or the middle-class workers and black workers. They are going to be the first to get the sting of this. Simply because the media doesn't cover it doesn't mean it didn't happen. When I was uh, on the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights 20 years ago, this is one of the first things we addressed. It's been a continuing issue that I've brought up, and every time we adduce evidence on this, the evidence gets worse. And yet, somehow, and we know how, because the media fails to report about this, it, it is viewed as something that is something uh, along the lines of racial equity. Oh, this, we've been subjected, Bob, as you know, and you've talked about very credibly over the last four years, we've been subjected to, over the last few years, some of the biggest political frauds in the history of this country. And I'm not going to go through every single one of them, from coronavirus to, you know, the impeachment debacle, all those things. But immigration policy is one of the, the great achievements of the Trump administration, and now it's being overturned. And who gets hurt? Americans. Someone describe to me, please explain to me what material benefit we receive as America and Americans from the Biden immigration policies. Describe one for me, and you can't. Well, their answer would be diversity. We're a better country when we are more diverse. It's the same reason why he is lifting the ban on transgender serving in the military. He said it makes us a stronger military when we have that kind of diversity. I think that is insane. You don't tell people who have deep psychological conditions, uh, here's a gun, go do what you want to do. Uh, that's So it's all about diversity. That's the answer to that question. Pete, I need to pivot away from this to get to your last question of the day. I mentioned we go to impeachment for a second. Um A caller brought something up to me before you came on, and I wanted to run it past you. He said, is this a break for us if they try to claim that Donald Trump in this impeachment trial incited an insurrection by telling lies? That's what they're saying. By telling lies about a stolen election. That's what incited all of these people to go and do the things that they did. If he hadn't lied about it, uh, the stolen election, then, um, uh, then, uh, you know, they would never have done this. And the, the caller's point was, is if they claim that it was a lie, does that not open the door now for the Trump defense to say it wasn't a lie and to be able to present all of the evidence that it was stolen, that there was fraud in all of these key battleground states that judges would not hear? They dismissed those, uh, those, uh, those cases because in 90% of them, they didn't have standing. But if they try to say that Trump incited an erection by, uh, in, in, I just did a, I just did a Schumer, by the way, incited an erection. <laughs> did you hear Schumer do that last week? <clears throat> I did. Yeah. Anyway, if they say that Trump incited the insurrection based on lying about a stolen election, does this give them an opportunity now to say, really, okay, well, here's our defense. It's not a lie. And give all of that stuff that Rudy had been collecting and that, you know, all of the, the you know, the, the legal teams in each of the states, uh, uh, you know, that we, that we watched play out. They had all this information and uh, evidence that they weren't allowed to present. Oh, it absolutely does. It opens the door for defense. He has a complete uh, unabridged opportunity to bring in all that evidence if you wish to do so, but you and I know that's not going to happen. Why? Because Republicans uh, in the Senate, unfortunately, want to run away from this as fast as they possibly can. Um, 
Not I all mean, of them. You, not all of well, them. Did you hear Rand Paul with? And did you hear Rand Paul on the air with yes, George Stephanopoulos on, on Sunday? I did. Yeah. But you know that the majority and Mitch McConnell is not going to go want to go anywhere near this. Now, uh, by the way, um, I'm hopeful that your regular guest Jim Jordan throws his hat in the ring. I suspect he will. I do too. Uh, for for the Portman position, but in any event, uh, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I wish it would. I wish there were a complete airing of this because they keep saying on various programs that, well, there were 87 court cases and not one showed that there was any evidence of fraud. Every single one of those was dismissed on procedural grounds. No evidence whatsoever was ever adduced. That's a complete and utter fraud. And merely because the media keeps telling you frauds over and over again, you know, don't, they're telling you, don't believe your lying eyes and lying ears. You saw what I saw. All of us have seen this stuff. We can come to our own deductions with respect to this. I'm not going to rely on a fraudulent media to tell me that I didn't see what I saw or I didn't, I can't deduce what I've deduced. But uh, I think the, the way they're going to approach this, or one of the ways they'll probably approach this, is simply from the text of the Constitution itself. And I know that I think Tom Cotton is probably, and, and, and Ted Cruz has talked about the fact that, you know, in Article 2, Section 4, there is no impeachment of somebody who's no longer president. It says very clearly, the president, VP, and all other civil officers in the U.S. shall be removed from office on impeachment. Well, guess what? In case, in case they missed it, Donald Trump is no longer president. He has to be the president to be removed. And I understand there's an argument that there have been one or two minor, minor officials 150 years ago who were removed or were impeached after he left office. You know what? Fine. If you want to use that as precedent, that's ridiculous. And you're going to show yourself to be the ridiculous kind of anti-Trump, uh, uh, rabid partisan that we all suspect you to be. But if you take a plain, a look at the plain meaning of the Constitution, it is not there. And on top of that, there are other indications, such as the fact that John Roberts is not going to be presiding over this um, this trial. Why is that? Because this is a complete and utter fraud. I think the Democrats are harming the Constitution, harming the nation. I mean, we keep talking about unity, but I also think they're harming themselves. Here they are again, you know, tilting at windmills one more time. The third attempted impeachment of Donald Trump, and now he's even out of office. They have to kill the corpse. And the reason is they're afraid of not just Donald Trump and that he may run again at some point, but of Trumpism. Trump started something in the country that we haven't seen in a long time. And I'm not saying this is an advocate for Trump. It is a true movement that's occurred that is one that has nothing to do with party affiliation. The Republicans are just as much in jeopardy from that movement as, as Democrats are. It's, yes, it is a populist movement, and they keep talking about populism as, in a way that, as if that's negative. Populism isn't either positive or negative. Negative. It's simply a description of what's occurring. But I do think that Trump, as Victor Davis Hanson has said, is he has said Trump is the the human CT scan. Trump has revealed so many things about so many people and so many institutions and so many policies. It's astonishing. And I will tell you quite frankly that I've had to take a second look at some of my preconceived notions. Uh, not that I've necessarily changed them, but they make me reevaluate it and be open, more open than maybe I previously had been to alternate explanations and arguments, and that's a good thing. 
Very well said, Pete. And there's a lot of ground that we can't even get into now because we're a little short on time here. But um, but I do think it would be very interesting if they tried to say, okay, let's prove that lie. You're right. The leadership uh, won't allow it. But hopefully the Trump lawyers don't have to listen to, um, uh, to uh, Mitch McConnell. And yes, by the way, how about Leahy? He's a juror. He's going to cast one of the 100 votes to convict or to acquit. He's the judge. Since when does a judge get to be a juror and vice versa? Or vice versa? Oh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's exact, Yeah, I mean, that's just insane <laughs> that, that that's going on. Peter Kersenow, uh, we'll, uh, we'll dive into this a little bit more next week. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, Bob. All right, that's Kersenow on AM 1420, The Answer. It's 1050. It's our final break. We'll come back and get our final calls right after this on The Authority. All right, 10.54, I've got time for a couple more phone calls before the top of the hour and Mike Gallagher taking over. Make sure you stick around for Gallagher. Then a little Charlie Kirk, then some Dennis Prager, some Sebastian Gorka, some Seculo, and then, of course, the sage from South Central, Larry Elder. Uh, Hey, uh, let's go to Bob, who's in Mentor on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Bob, go ahead. Hi. You know, I heard all the talk about what Biden's going to do, but what Biden's doing. But everybody knew he was going to do this. And it's the fault of the Republicans, basically. They had, when Trump got elected, they had the Congress and the Senate. And they didn't do anything to limit the big tech firms that were able to silence so many people. And if you go all the way down the line, back to Reagan with his amnesty, and then he never enforced like the work rules or anything, so more and more illegal immigrants came. It all goes back to the Republicans themselves. And I don't see why you're, you know, you're complaining, but it's not going to do any good. Biden is a dictator now. He's got the press, the media, thanks to Republicans, not stopping corporate mergers. So now all the media is in the hands of a few people, and therefore the Democrats. So you can well, complain mm-hmm. all you want. But we're in a dictatorship now, and you're not going to change this thanks to mail-in voting. Um, Go ahead. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. And, and, uh, and, and Bob, I appreciate the phone call. I'm going to just respond a little bit, and then I'll get to, get to a few more people. But um, if they go this radical and this dictatorial now, um, that pendulum swing can happen in two years. Uh, the same way it did in 2010, when Obama forced... Obamacare through in 2009, um, it didn't take long for the Tea Party to be born and a pushback that um, changed the country. That can happen again here. Now you say, well, yeah, but only if they don't use the most radical things to change you know, the way we vote and to change the way policies are made. And I've said before, all we have to do is flip one or two moderate senators. They're not all progressive, you know, uh, ideologues. Um, they're not all Bernie Sanders and Kamala Harris. Find one or two to stop the most radical things and we can tread water until we can retake the House in, in 2022. And an example of that was given just last night. Kirsten Cinema, Senator Kirsten Cinema has said that she will not vote for uh, any legislation to get rid of the legislative filibuster. She said, I'm not going to do it even to make the left happy, and no, you can't change my mind. The left is furious with her. Joe Manchin has also said the same thing. 
So if we can get those people to avoid, you know, uh, uh, getting rid of the filibuster, get rid of, uh, or uh, get them to avoid packing the court, get those one or two of those people to stop from making Puerto Rico and DC a state and thus getting more Senate votes, et cetera. All of those things are, you know, in play. And, um, if we can just tread water and stop the worst of it by 2022, we can take back the Congress take back the House of Representatives, remove Nancy Pelosi, send her to the home that she belongs in, and go from there. Uh, Bob, thank you. Great phone call. Todd is up uh, last, because uh, I know Todd's always got a lot. He's going to bring us home. Go ahead, Todd. Yo, Bob, I'm, I'm against the process of this impeachment. It's a bad idea. It, it's, it's a negative compromise to the efficiency of good government. However, I, I am looking forward to this argument that they're going to make against this. My 17-year-old son pointed out that the vast majority of the crowd operated con- in consistence with what the speech that Donald Trump actually gave told them to do. So if you're going to say he incited the riot, those people were following what he said, how are you going to make the argument against the vast majority of the crowd that followed what the speech said to do and impeach him? Your seventeen-year-old son. Your seventeen-year-old son is a smart young man. That is a thousand percent right. What Donald Trump did was incite peace. He incited a peaceful protest, which is exactly what he told them to do. And as you point out, ninety-seven point eight percent of them went down there and peacefully protested at the Capitol. Only, you know, probably even a higher percentage than that. It was only a couple or three or four hundred individuals who actually went in and breached the Capitol. So you're it's all on your, video. your son is yeah, you're right. Your son is spot on. Well done. Is that it? Oh, that has to be it. Yeah, we're done. Thanks, brother. Appreciate the call. I'm out of time anyway. Uh, But that's good. That's very well said. They're going to try to say Trump incited those who went and attacked the Capitol. Well, considering that the attack on the Capitol happened while the president was speaking, he was not even done yet, um, how can you blame that on the president? Rather, blame the president for the you know 300,000 people who went down there and were peaceful and who followed his orders to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Great call. Great way to finish the show today. Stay here for Mike Gallagher. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.